Okay, so I get to introduce Keith and Lori Eveland to you. Here's their description for you. It says, Keith and Lori have been married almost 31 years and have been attending Bethlehem, the North Church, um, both in that entire time. They have three daughters in their 20s, and as of three months ago, they are officially empty nesters. <laughs> Lori is an RN working for Alina at their clinic in Coon Rapids. Keith produces marketing videos and TV commercials, and he is currently in grad school. I didn't know that. <laughs> Full-time working on his master's. They have served at church in a variety of ways over the years, so nursery, Sunday school, taught marriage class, lead small groups, um, and play on the worship team. They enjoy time with family and friends, cooking interesting meals together, walks in nature, especially with moving water, quiet mornings together on the patio with a good cup of coffee. And I was not set to do this introduction, and now I am, so I'm going to give you my two cents. <laughs> Keith and Lori, so I don't know, 10 years ago, I was in a pretty vulnerable spot with my first oldest child. We were moving. He was going to um, start kindergarten, and I was feeling pretty anxious. And my answer to prayer was God kind of said, let me introduce you to Keith and Lori Eveland. And we happened to move in directly next door to their house. And having never met them, even though we'd attended church for the same amount of time, um, met them for the first time because their girls came over and said, hey, we know your kids from nursery at church. And it was like a godsend gift <laughs> that I got to move in right next door to them. And pretty much over the last 10 years, anything dramatic that happens in my life, the response usually is, someone go get an Eveland. <laughs> and so... Um, <laughs> And unfortunately, that kind of happens a lot. <laughs> but they are always there for us, and they have always taken care of us. And so I'm excited for them to speak today and for you to hear um, more of what we get to experience every day. So this is Keith and Lori. That was a fun introduction. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, you know, for us, it's, it's humbling and terrifying to be here. Um, we're uh, really happy out there on the back on the other side of the mic and not up here. And now I'm even told you want to hear me. So. Um, so just a little bit about us real quick. You know, as she said, we've been here for over 30 years between North Church and Bethlehem. And in that amount of time, you get where you kind of pick up some of the things from obviously the pastors and different people. Like, for instance, Pastor Sam. Now, you guys all know Pastor Sam. We're not able to break down the Bible and, and you know, give you wise theological thoughts like Sam. And, you know, we probably aren't nearly as clever as Sam, and we certainly can't take someone who's 80 and someone who, I'm mean, someone who's eight and someone who's 98 and teach and give both of them something to hang on to. But we are just as likely to cry. So you've been warned. <laughs> and we're prepared. Yes. So, all right. Well, it is a joy to be with you this morning and to share 
some glimpses of our story. In Ecclesiastes 9.9, it says, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Most of life is made up of mundane moments, not big events. So let's look at that passage again. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this mundane life that God has given you under the sun, all your mundane days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Life has got some big events. You get married, you buy a house, you have a baby. But most of life is not big events. Because of this, we need to be mindful of our steadfastness in God in the midst of the mundane, because that makes up most of your life. Uh, the other passage that we want to look at uh, is your, your verse for the year. I'm going to start actually a verse earlier than that in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to start at 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, it's easy for us to think of God as being steadfast because obviously God is, but this is a call for us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, if you have an opinion like me and like Paul in Romans 3 of people, you don't think of us as probably being real good at that. It says that we really do very little good. We don't seek after God. We, we are very sinful people. And so if we're going to be steadfast, that's only going to happen through God, right? That's something that he gives us. So, uh, the, and I think Paul saw that when he wrote this because in the reason I read verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that that doesn't happen through us. Thanks be to God who does that in us. So our goal every day, our battle that we fight against Satan is that pursuit of asking God to make us steadfast. So did you know that Satan is your biggest enemy, not your spouse? It's true. It's true. Let me give you an example from early in our marriage and Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings, getting ready for church. Invariably, we would end up in a fight. Nothing big, but we would always end up in a fight. This impacted how we worshipped. It impacted how we engaged in church. And eventually after weeks and weeks of getting in fights, we realized that Satan had us in a pattern, that he was out to disrupt our Sundays. And um, we were, got to a point where we were able to just laugh at it and say, look it, it's Sunday, here we go again. And that would just dispel the impact that Satan had on us. He wasn't able to get into our lives and disrupt our Sunday morning when we realized that Keith was not against me. He was not out to get me that day. It was Satan trying to influence how I worshiped and how I engaged in church. So it lost its effect. Not that we never got in a fight again, but it lost its impact and we could laugh about it. Right. And unfortunately, in that moment, we didn't receive full sanctification. We still had other things to work on. I know, right? Um, a little over 20 years ago, we hit a really rough spot in our marriage where we just stopped being friends. We fought all the time. Um, 
it was just Satan had a really strong foothold in our communication. Our communication was poor. It was I want, I want type communication instead of really working together. We became enemies and we fought far more than we actually communicated. Um, in the midst of all this, and I don't want you to, to feel bad if this isn't what God did in a relationship that you had. For us, the positive all out of this entire part of our life was that we had a very brief conversation one day and said, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, because this is just interpersonal, there's nothing abusive, divorce is completely off the table. And we said, yep, it is. And we never ever went there again in our entire conversation. Um, eventually, after enough fighting, I mean, probably a year of just getting along horribly, we just decided we're not going to fight anymore. We're not going to get along, so we're just going to kind of call detente and, and coexist with each other, but not fight. Well, that didn't, of course, make anything better because we just stopped communicating. We lived in the same house. We ate meals together. I think we hid it fairly well from our girls, but we just coexisted. The biggest problem, I think, was we were here at this church. We were in a small group. We were in Sunday school, and nobody knew what was going on in our life. Lori's family, my family, no one knew what was going on. We did a really good job of hiding our issues. And we would come to church every Sunday with our little girls all dressed up in their little dresses with the bow in their hair, and everyone thought we were the happy couple, and we weren't. There was nothing happy about us. Eventually, uh, the church had a, a marriage conference, and or a marriage, like a marriage, a weekend retreat type thing. And Lori said, we should go to that. And I, no, I don't, I really just don't think we should. And she convinced me that we should. I went to it kicking and screaming, convinced that we were going to get nothing out of it. And Lori's opinion going into it was, well, it can't hurt. Right. And it didn't hurt physically, you know, but Emotionally, uh, maybe a little bit, but we did learn several things um, during that conference. A lot of sin was re revealed. Um, we learned really how selfish we are and the, were, are still, and the footholds that God had in our marriage. Um, we learned that we weren't the only people going through struggles in our marriage. We weren't alone. Um, we learned how to better communicate what was really bothering us. And there I learned Keith wasn't my biggest enemy. I thought he was, but he wasn't. Um, and I learned how to treat Keith as unto God. I'm not loving him for my own benefit. I'm loving him as unto God and to look past Keith's shoulder and to see God standing behind him and to do what I do for and to Keith out of obedience to God. Um, so everything was not fixed overnight, but it was the beginning of a journey for us. Uh, it was a the moment when a lot of people found out what was really going on in our lives and the body of Christ was able to come around us and instruct us and teach us and guide us and point us to Jesus. And after that conference, there was the opportunity to do a follow-up class um, through church and we took them up on that. Right. And by the way, Lori said she learned, I learned the <laughs> same things, trust me. Um, the the class that we took was really instrumental. It was down in the far corner. I still remember sitting around that group um, and all the things that we learned from them. The leader of that class, when it was done, uh, it was probably about eight, no, it was about 12 weeks, I think. The leader of that class said, Keith and Lori, I think you guys should be the one that lead this the next time. We thought, 
us? Surely you didn't comprehend what we were talking about in class. <laughs> he had to be nuts. But he picked us anyway, and I think he picked us really for three reasons. Um, one, I think he saw that God was doing something in us that maybe we didn't even see at that point, but he thought there's hope for these two. Um, two, I think he believed that we would show up, which as the leaders seemed important. <laughs> and the third thing is, he knew something that we didn't because we'd never taught a class like that. He knew if we were going to teach a class on marriage, we had to work on our marriage. You know, if you go to a class on marriage for a few weeks, you pick up some things. We did that class for about 10 cycles. When you do a class on marriage for 10 cycles, you have to work in your marriage. And it forced us to really work on a lot of things in our marriage that were broken. And it revealed, every time we went through it, it revealed more things and more things that were broken in our marriage. In the course of that, we really learned uh, what steadfastness was in our marriage and what that looked like and how to, at least how to approach that. We're, we're not there yet. We're still not <laughs> sanctified, but we learned a lot. We did. And similar to kind of our Sunday morning scenario, it, it, teaching the class over and over, you had the chance to do different topics. And it just became this running joke in our house when we were doing marriage class. So mom and dad, what's the topic for next week? Well, I don't know. It's about this. Why? Well, because that's what you're going to fight on this week. And it was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're true. Every week, that's kind of what would be the tension in our household. And we'd have great up-to-date illustrations to share in class. Um, so after a while, it was, you kind of diffuse some of Satan's ability because it's like, what's the topic for next week? Okay, we can avoid that, that fight now. We know yes. what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. So jump forward a couple years, um, 19 years ago, I started a, a business doing video production. And like any new business, it was a bit of a roller coaster at times. You had years that were good and years that were lean. And eventually we watched God bless that in many ways. Soon we had clients like Ameriprise and GE and Medtronic and Johnson & Johnson, along with a lot of local companies here, that we, both big and small, that we were doing work for. And uh, we were one of the first companies in the whole upper Midwest shooting in 4K, which at the time no one had heard of, and now you probably all have a TV in your house that will do that. Um, you know, 2018 was a really great year for us. We produced a documentary about a pastor out in South Dakota, Pastor Harold, who at the time was 96 years old and still working full-time in ministry. He kept telling me that he was going to retire three days before his funeral. And uh, we just had a, a joy making that. That video got, ended up being played worldwide. Um, we also, for Medtronic's homepage, uh, we made the video that was on the, the top banner of their homepage. It was the biggest corporate project that we ever did. So we were getting all these really fun projects. We were making money. We were uh, really enjoying the work that we were doing. And then in 2019, business just dried up. Um, with no real explanation. We didn't offend customers. We didn't screw up on a project and make a, you know, everything kind of look bad. We just, everything stopped. God just, um, I think, withheld the blessing of projects coming in. And so in 2019, not only did I make almost nothing, but the majority of what Lori made, we took and rolled into the company to pay bills and pay wages and whatnot. Um, that fall, the fall of 2019, it became obvious we need to stop. It's just not working. We'd been praying about it for a while. And so we decided after 15 years and, and several hundred thousand dollars of investment, we need to be done. It was, for all practical purposes, our retirement plan. It was this thing we were investing in that I assumed I would sell eventually. And we walked away with nothing. Mm -hmm. 
So how do you trust God when all seems lost? Um, Keith had lost his income. He'd lost his job. He'd lost his dream, his identity as a business owner, and lost his sense of career and um, direction. But God really held us through the whole process. Um, we had a complete peace about closing the business. We'd been praying for a long time, before 2019 actually, that God would release us from this business and let us close it down. But he just kept saying, no, you need to stay here. You need to persevere. This is where I have you. But 2019, he gave us a yes. He said, yes, you can walk away from this. Um, but we'd lost everything. But we were also very happy to be letting go of the headaches that we had and looking forward to the next headaches. Um, people at church would come up to me and they'd go, so it's like, Keith okay, like emotionally? And I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Really? You know, shouldn't he be depressed? It's like, no, we're, we're glad. We're, we're happy for this. And they're like, okay. They just didn't really get it. Yeah, I think people thought I was losing my mind for a little while because I would come to church and be genuinely happy. I was so glad to get rid of the old problems and whatever the new problems were, at least they were different problems. I was tired of the old ones. Um, so I, I remember having a conversation with Lori at the beginning of January. This is January of 2020, four years ago. We, we were closing the business down during the month of January and liquidating things. And I remember telling her, this is going to be a really hard month, but we need to keep perspective on what's going on. We're going to have a hard month, but in July, we're not going to consider the things that are hard right now. They're going to be completely out of our mind. So we need to keep perspective on what it is we're doing. And we would talk through three weeks left, two weeks left. Um, uh, this isn't in my notes, but it just rem I just thought of it. Uh, the last week that when we were moving out, our water heater, our water softener, and our garbage disposal all in one week died. And I had, along with everything else, I was going home every evening and working till 10 or 11 at night, fixing all of those things as well. And still with all that, God just gave us a sense of joy that this was all going to be okay, that he had us. Um, the day before we were going to move, there was another tenant that was going to come into the space we were in in the commercial building just a half mile away. And he said he wanted to buy all of our furniture, just leave everything in place, desks, chairs, everything. The day before we were going to move in, I found out that the building owner had been so rude with him that he said, I'm not going to go there. And we, at 10 o'clock at night, I found out tomorrow we have to move all of the furniture out that we thought was staying. And even in that, we, we started making phone calls, called our daughters who were in college, said, bring football players. <laughs> Everything got moved out. We were supposed to be out at five, at four o'clock, the office was empty, we did a walkthrough and it was completely clear. Um, so there was just all these crazy ways that God took care of us. Um, a creditor for giving a whole bunch of the debt uh, that we would, would have taken us years to pay off. Uh, even COVID hitting and a bunch of the clients that I had worked with previously calling me up and saying, Keith, we don't have anyone to do our work. Every video company in the country is closed. Can you do work out of your basement? And that's what we survived on. So. Sure. sure, we can do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so Matthew 6 tells us, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But I was anxious. How are we going to pay for our food? How are we going to put clothes on our back, and were we going to keep our house? I didn't know if that was going to happen. So in order to preach to myself and um, 
keep afloat, <laughs> I came up with um, God's creative provision list. And I started listing out um, every way that God provided for us financially. Um, and we would get checks in the mail from anonymous people. We'd get gift cards. We'd have people at church hand us something. We got rebate checks from our insurance company for changing our policy that we never changed. God just kept blessing us and pouring things um, into our laps to help cover in ways that we needed to be covered. Um, God provided in many unexpected ways but we got to a point where we weren't surprised anymore that he was providing. And I was kind of focused on trying to figure out what to do with the business and, and making the numbers work there. Lori takes care of most of our home finances, so I wasn't really aware of how things were working. I knew we didn't have any income, and at the same time, I knew the bills were getting paid. So at one point, I think it was early December of 2019, I asked Lori, how are we surviving? At the time, we had two girls at Bethel. We had, obviously, a house we were paying for, all the, the normal things in life. I said, how are we surviving? And she pulled out this list, and we added it up, and over a several-month period, the list added up to over $14,000. Um, God provided for us in ways that we had no, no explanation for other than God. Um, first, a little interject here. If this was, if you guys were part of that, if anyone in this room was part of that, we want to thank you because so much of it came from people that was anonymous. Lori would say, someone stuck something in my bag at, at church and I didn't see who it was. And we'd open it up and it would be $500, that kind of thing. And it happened over and over and over. Um, so if any of you were part of that, thank you. Um, thank you for being part of a church that cares for people like that. Um, that really means a lot to us. So again, that was a hard stretch, but God just gave us this clear vision that it was momentary, that we were going to get past that. And it was a joy when we actually stepped back from it and kind of looked in objectively to watch what God did. Mm -hmm. So the last struggle I want to tell you about um, is walking with our youngest daughter, Amelia, who has really struggled with severe uh, anxiety and depression. In the midst of dealing with all the business issues, um, we realized that she was fighting a silent battle of her own. And uh, the anxiety and depression that she was fighting, she was hiding it, unfortunately, like her parents uh, hit our marriage issues you know, a decade earlier or more. Um, by her junior year, she couldn't hide it anymore. It was becoming really obvious that there was a problem. It was... Uh, she had stretches of weeks at a time where it was almost impossible to actually get her to go to school. Uh, she was really struggling, uh, not amazingly, not academically, but psychologically, emotionally, um, just doing anything. She hit it real well at church. She probably never knew anything was wrong, but it was really a struggle. And we had a lot of conversations asking each other, what does life look like if Amelia can never really fit in in society and she's with us if she lives with us the rest of our life. And we had to have those discussions and kind of make plans on what does that look like? How does it work? And we had to lean on God. We kept looking at this saying, there's nothing that we can do to fix this. This is outside of us. And so we, we prayed a lot, asked a lot of God and leaned on him really kind of to survive it. This is right. Many nights 
I would lay in bed and rehearse the line from baby dedication. Surrendering all worldly claims on your life that you may belong wholly to Jesus Christ. I knew that Amelia trusted in Jesus. And I knew that he had her, but I had to let go. It wasn't something that I could fix. I could help her, but I couldn't solve it. And I needed to entrust her to Jesus. Isaiah 41.13 says, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. This is another verse that I would just rehearse day after day to myself, and I would envision Jesus taking Amelia's hand and leading her through her school day, guiding her, protecting her, um, encouraging her. But not only was God taking Amelia by her hand, he was taking me. He was guiding me and directing me and um, leading me in how I could help Amelia. But it wasn't really my fight. Um, Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. The NIV says you only need to be still. And that's what I needed to do. I needed to be still and let God work in her life and not use my own abilities and my own strivings um, to fix this for Amelia. God was gracious. He used a variety of ways to work in Amelia's life. Um, and she has a level of control over her anxiety. It doesn't control her anymore. It's not gone, but it doesn't control her anymore. Um, Amelia finished high school, went on to Bethel. That was a roller coaster. Um, day one, she was confident that she would not go to college. Um, her plan was just to stay home. Um, but we dropped her off at the front steps of the gym and told her, get out of the car <laughs> and try for the first day. She wept, she got out of the car, and we cried as we drove away. I remember as we drove through campus telling Lori, if she can do today, I think she can do college. She just has to make it through today. So that was our prayer. God give her the ability to make it through today. Amelia came home that evening and she was going to school to be a teacher. That was her goal. She wanted to be an elementary teacher from the time she was three. She came home that evening and in her science class, which was a science class for teachers, they taught the lesson and they broke them up into groups and had them teach each other. So this little girl from the time she was three who wanted to teach her first day in college taught. She taught the rest of the people in her group. She was so excited. She talked nonstop all the way through supper. I don't know if she chewed any food. She talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. We just kept going, uh-huh, uh-huh, with smiles on her face because God had clearly answered our prayer. She loved her first day. So by God's grace, uh, you know, she made it through, and so did we. All right, the, the last uh, thing I want to read you here um, is a text, but first a word of setup. Last spring, our oldest daughter, Casey, got engaged. And two weeks later, the day before Amelia graduated from Bethel, Casey's fiance broke up with her. And that morning, my brother sent me a text and asked how we were doing because he knew the situation. And this is the text that I sent back to my brother. We'll see if I can do this. <clears throat> we're doing okay. 
it's an emotional roller coaster week. I don't usually cry, and certainly not several times in 48 hours. I just ache for Casey, and I'm so proud of Amelia. It's hard to balance it all out and give them both the emotion they deserve right now. Three years and nine months ago, I dropped Amelia off at the steps of the gym at Bethel, and she was crying and telling me she couldn't do it. Today before graduation, I dropped her off at the same steps, and she bounded up them with her cap and her gown in her hands, excited to see her friends before graduating with them. God was so gracious in the way he held her and surrounded her with the right people, gave her RAs and profs that understood her anxiety issues. We're so thankful and so proud of her. And it almost seems wrong to say that when Casey's working to smile and congratulate her, and at the same time had her guts ripped out yesterday by the guy she was in love with. So, yeah, it's an, emo it's an emotional roller coaster. Romans 12:15 tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Sometimes celebration and sorrow happen in the same moment. Through all of these things, God was steadfast. Marriage struggles, financial struggles, child-rearing struggles, God was steadfast. Your struggles aren't unique to you, even though you feel like no one else has ever experienced this, they probably have. You're not going through it alone. Your friends will understand the struggles that you're having and more than likely have had the same. So be willing to share your struggles. Don't do it alone. Don't hide like we did, like Amelia did. Um, let the Church of Christ surround you and uphold you and point you to Jesus. Now, we don't want you to hear the stories that we're telling you and, and come away with the idea that we're kind of whining because we're really not. Um, you know, it would have been nice to not lose money in a failed business. It would have been nice not to have struggles with kids. It'd be nice not to have marriage issues, but that's the reality. But our point is that God brought us through all those things. We are who we are today because God brought us through them. You know, James tells us, count it all joy, my brothers, when you, when you meet trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, there's that word again, steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, like in nothing lacking in nothing. We're called to be joyful in our trials. We're called to do those trials with joy, lean on God because that produces that steadfastness in us. Um, going through those things has taught, really taught us what Paul means when, in Philippians 4 when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's easy to rejoice when things are going well, when everything's easy. But Paul reminds us, and then he reminds us again, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, because we need to rejoice when times are hard. So let's circle back to the word steadfast. Steadfast is holding on to God. Steadfast is working on your marriage. Steadfast isn't passive, it's active. And this is where the joy is found. In the midst of the hard times, we choose to rejoice. We choose to be steadfast. And we look to God to make that happen in us because we're not good at doing it on our own. You know, when I think of steadfast, I, I, this illustration comes to mind. You're climbing a mountain, and it's a steep mountain, and you're actually doing pretty well. But here's the trick. You're not really climbing, you're just hanging on. There's this massive mountain climber, and you're hanging on like a backpack, and, and you have to steadfastly hang on, but you're going up the mountain without really doing anything other than just hanging on. Um, 
there's a pretty obvious metaphor there, right? When we, life is this pretty massive mountain. At times it feels like it's more than straight up. It's kind of leaning back over the top of us. And God is the mountain climber who's going up this mountain. Our, our goal, our job, what we're called to in the Bible is to hang on. Um, we need to cling to God and steadfastly hang on to him. And in that climb, we find joy as we go through the hard climb of life. So I showed you my God's creative provision list, and I have one other kind of take-home tangible thing. So Psalms 40, verse 5 says, Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. More than a decade ago at Christmas, we gave our girls their God box with that verse in it. And we asked them to put in reminders, tangible things that they could look back on of blessings that God had given them, hard lessons they had learned, things that God was working on in their lives, so they could pull those items out and remember God's faithfulness and steadfastness in their life. And we learned... Um, a couple months ago that our girls still use these boxes. So that was encouraging. A good way to remember and rehearse the blessings that God has given them. Right. So let's go back and read through that passage one more time, 1 Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us that victory. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that promise that our labor is not in vain. There are times in this life that bring us great joy. There are times that are just hard. And you call us to, to be steadfast and immovable in both of those times to keep pursuing you. So, Lord, we ask that you would give us the ability to do that. We know we don't have it on our own, so we ask that you would do that in us, and we ask that um, you would get the victory through your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.